0: Welcome to Believing the Bible with Scott Lane and Terry Reed of the San Antonio Bible-Based Science Association with a message of hope in today's troubled world based on biblical truths. We hope that today's program is enlightening and inspirational. Welcome to Believing the Bible. This is Scott Lane with Terry Reed, Dr. Daniel Harris, Dr. Carl Williams, and our producer Ed Salisville, all directors at the San Antonio Bible-Based Science Association. We are here to reassure you You can believe the Bible from the very first verse. We're talking with two people today who are in great agreement with our motto. They are the founders of the Early Earth Educators, Brian and Virginia Norman. Brian has a master's degree in biblical studies and has written some books. Virginia has studied microbiology, has a master's degree in geology, and a thesis which actually made her question things on radiometric dating. Welcome to both of you
1: having us on your show.
0: On this program, we would like to talk a little more about what kind of evidences you talk about in your talks. What do y'all present in terms of evidences for creation, for the Bible, and science being in accord? Well,
1: sure. I'll I'll start first. This is Brian. Lucy, for example, is, some people don't know what I mean when I say Lucy, but that's one of the skeletons that they have found. It is supposedly one of the best evidences of evolution transition species between apes and humans, right? And so we do a presentation called No Love for Lucy. Yeah, I saw that. Been, I like that. <laughs> okay, good. That's been a very popular, very, very, very well-received presentation. We've done it at several churches and schools. Anyway, in No Love for Lucy, I start off by introducing, you know, just so everybody understands what this is, what evolution is, and and the evidence that they've been trying to find. And, and for decades and decades, since Darwin's book came out. In 1859, they found practically nothing, you know. And then finally, in the 1970s, they found Lucy. Oh, this is wonderful. We finally have evidence for evolution, blah, blah, blah. And I talk about how great Lucy is, and I show slides of, you know, statues of Lucy in museums and, you know, pictures of her. And uh, one of the quotes was, This is the most important archaeological find ever, unquote stuff like that. Lucy's a huge deal, huge deal. And then I say, Hey, I brought Lucy with me. Would you like to see her? Everybody's excited, right? So I take out literally a brown paper bag lunch sack and I dump out its contents on the table. That is Lucy. I have an exact replica Mm. of the Lucy skeleton made Mm, out of plaster of Paris. Every single bone, every single fragment is right there. It all fits nicely inside your brown paper Wow, It's 47 bones, and all those yeah. bones look like a modern-day chimpanzee or bonobo or something like that. It's not a transition species. It's part of a monkey. And that's the best they've got. If evolution were true, then what Darwin said should be true, which is that there should be an insurmountable amount of evidence in the ground. He used the word innumerable. There should be innumerable transition species in the ground, and they're just not.
2: The transition species is that things that are in between one form or another typically don't work. You know? Yes. Mutations that are transitional are typically going to be lethal to the animal. Not even happens.
0: I find this whole discussion of transitional species to always be very interesting and also very revealing. If you ask an evolutionist, because what the creationists claim is there are no transitional forms. We are not finding a transition from one real body form to another body form. And that's a truth. That's a truth. We, we cannot find those. But if you ask an evolutionist, well, are there transitional forms out there? Yeah, we found thousands. But what they're seeing are extinct species, which are not very different from the kind that they're a part of. Right. But in, in their world view, they interpret those as transitional.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's true. They, they're trying to find that there, but they, they really do not exist. I think you're exactly right.
2: You well, know,
1: and that's the other thing. A lot of people have a misunderstanding that they have found, you know, skeleton after skeleton. No, they haven't. They find a tooth here, you know, a jawbone <laughs> there, and then they imagine what the rest of it looks like. Now, when I show the pictures of what Lucy supposedly looked like, you know, we then compare it next to this little tiny pile of bones, and then people start to realize, oh my word, these pictures I see, these drawings I see, these statues in museums I see, are mostly all just it's people's imagination. It's fantasy land. All we have are 47 monkey bones. And what do you do with those? You know, there is actually, I think, a pretty accurate model, Lucy, at the Creation Museum of Kentucky. But again, even that, we're imagining, right? Because we don't know. All we have are some bones, and sorry, <laughs> that's... That's barely evidence. It certainly isn't proof.
0: I love the comment by Dave Nutting of the Alpha Omega Institute when he says, how much of this is artwork? And when he asks that question at seminars, the people say, well, most of it. Yeah. Right, exactly.
1: And yet it's presented to us as if this is proven fact, as if you're just ignorant, if you don't believe in evolution. Well, no, you you know, you, you can believe in what you want, but when you believe in evolution, what you're really stating is, is that this is my religious belief about our origins. When one believes in evolution, they're really making a statement not about science, but about religion, about where we came from. If I say God created the heavens and the earth in six days and created man on the sixth day, I'm making a religious statement, everybody knows that. But if I say we evolved, ultimately from slime in the sea, I'm also making a religious statement because it's not scientifically
0: Demonstrable. And I believe deeply that you are, are stating a the truth there, but the people who are saying it would deny that it's a religious belief.
2: Right. So when it comes to evolution, it's useful to start talking about how the theory itself is unscientific. Like, I teach at a Christian school, and so with my students there, when we talk about evolution, I We'll talk to them about how the theory doesn't agree with what scripture says about origins, but when you get outside of a Christian bubble, out into the larger secular world, saying the Bible says it didn't happen that way is not helpful. But coming at them and saying how it's unscientific, that it's not a good theory... Is more helpful, and there's a lot of problems with the theory of evolution from a scientific
0: standpoint. We're going to hit that point after the break. You're listening to Believing the Bible. This is Scott Lane with Terry Reed, Dr. Daniel Harris, Dr. Carl Williams, and Ed Salzadel. If you would like to learn more, go to SABSA.org. That is S A B B S A.org. Today we're talking with Brian and Virginia Norman of Early Earth Educators. And we're talking about evidence for creation. One of the statements y'all gave me in the background material is a belief that evolution is unbiblical.
1: How? <laughs> well, that's usually the easier one to answer to people. Just open up Genesis. It's pretty clear, right? God made the land animals all on one day. Any Hebrew scholar with their salt, and I've studied Hebrew quite a bit too, will tell you that Genesis are literal 24-hour days. It talks about morning, talks about evening, each one of them, there's plenty of evidence, those are literal 24-hour days. God created the monkeys on that day, and he also created people on that day. And this one day before that, he created the fish and the birds. There's no time frame in Genesis for evolution to have occurred.
0: One of the things I do during presentations is I not only go over the, the six days of creation and talking about that God created ex nihilo, from nothing, everything we see in a very short period of time. But also, one of the things that's very powerful is to show that there are more than 20 places where the order is incorrect of the creation account and the order of supposed evolution are completely disparate. Yeah, absolutely. And so those people who are trying to force fit evolution into the creation account, it just simply does not work.
1: Uh, any theory other than a literal six-day theory just doesn't work. You know, when you talk about well, those days were maybe thousands of years or millions of years. Well, that would mean that you would have plant life existing for millions of years before you had bees to pollinate the flowers. Before you had, you know, anything else that you would need for the ecosystem to work. It just doesn't work if you try and cram millions of years into the creation account. Furthermore, I, we see that we see God's divine plan in the creation account. Created light on day one, but did not create the sun and stars until day four. Well, what's going on there? Well, if, the, if we believe in just a naturalistic view of the universe, that's not going to make any sense. We'll throw, you know, we'll throw out the Bible, you know, by the by the twelfth verse if we go by what you know the, the humanistic model is, because light can't come without stars, according to them. Well, look at the very end of the Bible; it matches the beginning. At the very end in Revelation, what does he say? There will be no more sun you know, the heavenly city will not need a lamp because the Lamb of God will be its lamp. Jesus is the light of the world. God created light before He created the sun, He doesn't need the sun or stars to have light, He is light. And we're going to see that again in the end. Genesis at the beginning matches Revelation in the end. That's God's way of doing things, man's way of doing things is completely contradictory to it.
0: Virginia, what other kind of evidences do you like to talk about?
2: Just the math, just statistically speaking, if you look at like the typical rate of mutation that you're supposed to need for evolution to occur, and then how many of those mutations would be beneficial, which mutations, generally speaking, are not beneficial. So you start looking at just the math of it, and it's just astronomical odds against even with huge time frames for evolution to be possible. You can look at an argument like irreducible complexity, that if evolution is this kind of piecemeal change over time, complex organs, complex organisms, you know, something like a lipid bilayer in a cell wall or the human eye, It's not something that can evolve piecemeal. It either works or it doesn't. And if it doesn't work, that's not beneficial to the animal, per evolutionary theory, it doesn't live. So those are arguments against. We can look at natural selection and see how it can change a population within kind or within species, but we cannot observe natural selection leading to a change in kind. There's no macroevolution. That we can observe, and, you know, these are things that I can talk out at, about at more length. But
0: no, natural I,
2: selection itself, like, actually decreases genetic information; it doesn't increase genetic you know, information.
0: I'm glad you brought up natural selection because that's something I talk about at length. Because one myth is that well, creationists don't believe in evolution; they don't believe in in climate change, and they don't believe even in natural selection. Well, well, that's false, false, false. Natural selection is something that occurs in nature, but it has severe limits and it cannot add new information.
2: Exactly. we can observe natural selection you know in a population of bacteria or you know tracking populations over several generations or something like that but that it does not add new genetic information and for evolution to occur you need to introduce new genetic information and so from that point that's when you need mutations to occur and mutations generally speaking, are harmful to the animal, which makes sense from a biblical standpoint because when God created created our genomes perfect, it's perfect, you have something that is less than perfect. You've changed the original perfection that
0: God made and you degraded it, basically. And so any mutation, you know, over the long haul is not going to be beneficial. It's not going to cause increasing complexity and, you know, microbes demand evolution. Understood. Brian and Virginia, we thank you for your ministry. Folks, they would love to come out to your church or organization. Again, you can contact them at EarlyEarth.com Looking at current day issues from a biblical perspective. SABSA meets the second Tuesday of each month at 7 p.m. We are now meeting at Faith Lutheran Church, just south of the corner of Jones Maltzberger and Thousand Oaks. There you will find biblical apologetics and creation science teaching found nowhere else in Bear County, as well as the availability of books and videos on these important subjects. If you miss any part of this show, you can listen to the show anytime by going to the AM630 KSLR, the Word in South Texas website. Click on KSLR Podcast, scroll down until you find below. Believing the Bible. Please join us again next Saturday for Believing the Bible. I'm Scott Lane, and for Terry Reed, Dr. Carl Williams, and Ed Salzaville, thanks for listening. And-, and we hope you found today a reason to believe the Bible.